Ladies and gentlemen, it's your buddy Gavin. Stanley Cup Finals Game 2. Bruins just lost in overtime. Our buddy Andy Mavslin is about to join us, so stay tuned for that. No theme song. Here's the rules. The Bruins lose a game in overtime. We ain't playing a theme song. Filibuster Freestyle, coming your way next. And as promised, no theme song and a very unhappy man in Sarasota, Florida. Florida, excuse me, joins us. Andy Mavslin. Overtime loss for the Bees. How we doing? This is dog, dog crap loss. Dog crap loss for sure. Can you explain to me some of maybe your key points as to why it was? Because the Bruins played like dog crap. That's a fair. <laughs> that's a fair assessment. Um, so really quickly, to make matters worse, the Red Sox got destroyed today. And their bullpen stinks. Stink. Correct. And Arsenal, with a nine-figure payday on the line for Champions League, got worked by London rival Chelsea, who'd already made the Champions League, in the Europa Cup final. And then we had to endure two periods of scoreless hockey, which the Bruins got completely outworked in the second half of both those periods. And then the dude who hit the pipe with a minute left in the third period scores the game winner. Bruins were down to five defensemen for most of the game, and it was a complete cluster bomb. Couple, t- <clears throat> couple takes on the things you just said. One, Chelsea should have thrown the game today to allow Arsenal into the Champions League because it was better for the Premier League in general. Correct. Two, Not team players. Arsenal, two, Arsenal can no longer be be considered an elite team in England. They're just not. Correct. Three, Carl Gunnarsson stinks. He sounds like a bad villain from the Die Hard movies. And if the uh, Blues were a healthy team, he wouldn't even be in the lineup. So it's almost like it's not even a loss because his goal shouldn't count because they should be healthy and he shouldn't be in the lineup. Huh. Fair. So... Wow, I took a lot of notes, and I really don't care about any of them. I think the only thing I want to say for a positive tonight was the very beginning of the game. We see our boy Bill Belichick waving the Bruins flag. Good start. And how do you feel about the new national anthem singer, Todd Angilly? I like his backstory. He bartends at TD Garden. He won a contest, and he still bartends before he goes and sings and then after he sings. I like the multiple hats he wears. I do miss Rene Rancourt and his fist pumps, but I like this guy. What do you think about that? I like this guy. Does a good job. Did not cover Carl Gunnison on the point and allowed the Bruins to lose. <laughs> if you can bartend and you can sing the song, you should be able to get on the ice in overtime and cover Carl Gunnison, who stinks. Carl Gunnison stinks. Make it a hashtag. Make it trend. Filibuster Freestyle Nation. Let's go. No, I, I like it. It's a cool story. I think he does. Uh, I think he does a good job with the anthem. Um, I, I I like it. You know, like I said, I, I've seen the whole bartending thing. I, I mean, did Renee Rancourt have a full time job? Did he bartend, or did he just show up at weddings and bars and like sing songs and give a fist pump and make like fifty bucks, hundred bucks handshakes? Well, see, here's what happens: is when you do it for long enough, and Renee did it for years and years and years. Yeah, you start getting to do like weddings and you know appearances, and yeah, Renee probably was done working with that whatever else did before that. And this dude's got to work his way up to that. So he's still got a bartender on the side. Side Hustle is the national anthem singer. And one day, hopefully, he'll flip the script. And his side hustle will be bartending, cocktail style, in the Bahamas with Tom Cruise, the other guy who no longer is alive, me, you, and John Wayne in a case of whiskey. Because that's how I feel right now. 
also going to let you know if we're talking about the uh, anthem singer, it was a bad game. It was a terrible game. Uh, it was a really exciting uh, first period if you like scoring. It was, um, I mean, and then, and then I don't know. Do you think it was? I thought the first period was sloppy overall by both teams, and okay. that's why we had a two-two score. And then I thought the Bruins just got completely outplayed in the second. In the second two periods, in overtime, they were awful. Um, you know, there, there was on the lead penalty there, but the Bruins on had four or five chances to get the puck out of the zone on kind of the pressure, you know, in zone before and couldn't get it out. And I thought they were done then and they were able to get it out regroup and then they just got pinned in again it, it, like it's almost like they didn't realize the overtime started right they were still in the locker room perhaps <clears throat> maybe what happened is the folks from Men in Black the reboot hit them with that flashy bulb thing and they forgot that they were playing a game chance also chance that the uh, they were wish they were smoking cigarettes um, <laughs> and they did not get back to the ice in time because they were smoking butts that's also possible. So where do we go from here? Geographically, we go to St. Louis. <laughs> we go to game three. The Blues are, ironically, I think still the best road team in these Stanley Cup playoffs, but also potentially the worst road team if you get to a big enough sample size. And obviously, them and the Bruins are going to play the most games. But um, So what do you think about game three and or four being a chance to steal back home ice advantage? Um. I'm not a big home ice advantage guy. Yes, okay. I I just, uh, yeah, early on it can give you an energy boost, but I just, you know, and in hockey it gives you the last change, which is important. But I'm not a huge home ice advantage guy. Um, I've come to think that all of, um, I won't just blame the Blues in general, but I saw that the Blues, like, arena was sold out to watch the game tonight. Bunch of losers. If you go to an empty arena with a game not playing to watch it on the Jumbotron, I think you're a loser. Um, a lot of teams do it. I'm sure it's happened in Boston, but I, I just I, I don't get that. Um, going, I, I think I think they split in they split in St. Louis and they they come back two two. That's just where I think the teams are fairly evenly matched. I thought the I thought the Blues stunk in game one. I thought the Bruins stunk in game two. Um, the Grizzly injury could be a killer for the Bruins. Um, yeah. What, what do they do there? So, but by the way, I want to get back to the Jumbotron thing in a second, but uh, what do they do there? So they're down to five defensemen for this game. Is the move, is the ability, are the rules, do, do they allow you to bring up a guy from Providence, Bruins, to like yeah, be the sixth guy? So what, they, what they call, and I'm sure you've, you may have read it in a tweet or seen it in the newspaper, um, one, in the playoffs, you carry a bigger roster anyways. You, you, you have, and you have to, um, you have to, Determine it for each series, but they have a couple extra defensemen and a couple extra forwards ready to go. And you've probably read a couple times, like I said, either on Twitter or on the paper about the Black Aces. So the Bruins have like a full, almost two lines of guys up from Providence that have been practicing with the team and skating with healthy, healthy scratches and just keeping practices you know, competitive um, throughout the playoffs. But like I said, there's probably two two extra D and two or three extra forwards that are actually healthy scratches each night that are that are on the playoff roster. So they have guys ready to go. Gotcha. Okay, so 
let's go to but but the, but that guy but, but but sorry but Grizzly getting hurt means that those guys aren't able to play tonight which is why they had to go five obviously right? yeah they're not able to they submit their roster for the night of, of basically six defensemen four forwards uh, six defensemen four lines of forwards and two goalies the only thing that can be added during the game is the emergency backup goalie who is like uh, some rec league guy correct yeah. That's yeah. that's that's wild that a rec league guy is two injuries away from a Stanley Cup Finals appearance. Hopefully it doesn't yeah. come to. Hopefully if it does come to that, it's for the Blues. Okay. And the, and the other the other thing is he could play for either team. Right. Exactly. So that's so like mean. say I'm the emergency goalie for the Bruins. Yes. And the blue both Blues goalies get hurt. I'm going in for the Blues. I'm a Bruins fan going in for the Blues. And so your ability to stop the puck while already compromised would probably be doubly compromised. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. So, let me ask you this. Going back to the Jumbotron, it's for dorks. I tend to agree. Um, what do you think about Boston doing that rally thing before before game one down in the City Hall Plaza? It feels very Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Raptors to me. That was an NHL me. thing. That was an NHL thing. Okay, so they're going to do it in St. Louis too, and it's mandatory? Um, I don't know if they're going to do it in St. Louis. But it was like the cup kickoff Got it. that was put on by the NHL to kick off the the um, the Stanley Cup Finals, similar to like an act playing before Super Bowl. Got it. Okay. So I can live with that. Um, let's talk about the Stanley Cup Finals uh, and the St. Louis Blues winning their first ever game in their fourth Cup Finals appearance. They've won their first game ever. It only took them 52, three years of franchise history to do that. Do you tip your caps to them for getting the monkey off their back? Does it help them? Clearly it helps them because the series is now tied, but does it help them demystify the Bruins and the mystique and the jinx, if you will? Obviously. No, because I don't think it's anything like anything to do with it at all. If the Bruins had beat them, swept them in the finals two years ago, or even in 2011, maybe. I mean, we're talking about 1970, 1972. You know, these guys weren't even. I mean, 20 years before a lot of them were born. Correct. So, I, I don't think it. I don't think it has any effect on anything. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, obviously, I, it does kind of stink that they're now tied. But besides that, I mean, hats off for that win. Yeah, I mean, hey, hey, it's good for the series for them. But I don't think it demystified. I don't think there was any mystique or anything like that. Like, we, the Blues can't win a Stanley Cup game. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Um, so, I don't know, dude. Do you – clearly, we'd have a lot more hot takes. You had some really good hot takes, which I shared on the – Filibuster Freestyle Facebook page that you put on Facebook as well from Game One. Do you have takes other than the whole dog crap piece, or <laughs> are you less verbose in losing efforts, which is fair too? You no, know, um, I feel like um, the Bruins. Uh, I, I feel like the first two goals, the, the the first two, the only two goals the Bruins scored, they weren't great goals. I thought they were things that goals that Benning should have had, and I don't know if maybe mentally they thought they they had him, and then they 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 just didn't. I mean, because they just didn't produce offensively. I mean, they got it was the exact opposite of Game One, where Game One they got they outshot St. Louis, you know, almost two to one. Tonight it was just the opposite. Um, 
I thought Tuca played really well. I didn't think Tuca played well the other night, but I think he played really well tonight. doesn't really matter. It's about a win or a loss. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, yeah, Tuca was kind of soft the other night. It didn't matter for him. And tonight, it's like you said, the exact opposite. Um, Bruins top line, not playing well. Bruins, m- most of the players you're hearing about. Um, who scored the second goal? Charlie Foyle scored one. Who scored the other? I don't even know off the top of my head. Oh, I got it. Hold on. Give me a second. I'll find it. It's way back up in my notes because it happened so early in the game. Uh, yeah. Wasn't it? Uh, I definitely have it. Oh, Nordstrom, right? Yeah. Was it Nordstrom? I don't yeah, it was know. Nordstrom on a pass from Corrali. Okay, and, and so, I mean, the Bruins' top line is just not playing well. Correct. Um, they Actually, fun, sorry, fun stat from Doc Emmerich. Maybe you were going here, but uh, of the four goals they've given up in this series, the Bruins' top line, top scoring line, has given up three of them. Now five yep. goals, sorry, not five goals, but they were probably yeah, they were probably on the ice for that too. So yeah, and I think the only one they scored was Marshawn's empty netter uh, the other night. Correct, really doesn't count. So, so they're my they're minus four or minus five. Uh, they're not playing well. Um, it, it, and even like you know the grit, whether it be a grit play or a defensive play or you know whatever it is, it's it's coming from that third and that fourth line, and that's great. You need that depth, but you need that depth along with your top line, um, your 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 goal scorer scoring, and they're just not having it. Um, I thought Marshawn a couple times tonight looked for the extra pass rather than just shooting the puck. Um, amazed, amazing how many times Bruins missed the net tonight on slap shots from top of the circle and in, um, and just not only missed the net, but completely rimmed it around, missed it wide, and, and it rimmed out and completely negated any offensive chance they had. You got to get those shots on that and go in and try to get some rebounds. I mean, just amazing how many nets they missed tonight. I, I just couldn't believe it. Totally agree with you. Um, let me read you the last like nine things I wrote down. They're all pretty brief, but they pretty much all involve the one and only Tugaras making save after save. And again, he was lucky to get the win the other night in some ways. Not playing great. I think he stopped 18 of 20 shots. Tonight, I'm not sure how many he stopped, but he stopped a ton that were point blankers. I, I, I think I saw somewhere like 37, 38 shots. Yeah, and so honestly, and then obviously in regulation, he he saved, you know, all but two. Um, you know, dude made two big stops at the 11-20 mark. Bruins power play had a huge chance. They got killed again. Uh, Bruins PA plays Ace of Spades, which is a classic hockey, hockey song. Love it. Uh, pen, pen, penalty on Clifton again. This is probably the second period still. Clifton killed them in the second period. Can't believe the Bruins killed 317 of that four-minute penalty. The Bruins stink at four-on-four hockey. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. And here's the thing you got to remember. Clifton is clearly the sixth defenseman. Yes, yeah, so now he's number five and playing tonight. way too many minutes. Yeah, 100%. 100% on that. Um, so, Tuka made a bunch of saves. Living on a prayer, big stuff, gets the fans going. Big slashing penalty on the Blues, broken stick. That was their chance. And because yeah. they were getting destroyed 5 and 5 at that point. Do you agree? Yeah, uh, that was their chance. Uh, the Bruins. The Bruins' power play just overall looked off. I'm going to say it again tonight. They said it on the broadcast tonight. They said it last time. The ice at TD Garden 
is soft as dog poop. Other dog poop reference. There's no excuse for that ice being bad. Um, it's known that it's bad ice. It was talked about tonight. Yes, both teams are playing on it, so I'm not making an excuse for the Bruins. But you cannot. It, you have to keep the ice has to be in better condition than that come playoff time. You know, if your team makes a long run, you're going to be playing in warm weather. If you have to rip out the entire refrigeration system and put something new in, do it. Other teams in the league manage to have good ice. Your ice sucks. It's an embarrassment. And it wasn't even a warm day in Boston. Well, that's what I was going to say is, is it's 50 degrees out in Boston. It's not even a summer weather. I mean, I know it was hot over the weekend, but they didn't play any games. Um, and then it cooled right back down. It was like 40 and raining yesterday, according to pundit Cindy Harrington, who lives in, guess what, Boston. So to your point, how do we keep the ice? Like, you know we're going to play June hockey, hopefully, May hockey certainly, and it wasn't even hot out, and you're a hockey town. What, what, you're, what are you doing? What are you doing? Do you think that helps the Bruins, though? Are they more quality skaters? Does that help the Bruins' cause? I think so. I, I, th- I think so. I mean, it, 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 I think the Bruins are better off on a faster ice. Um, you know, they, they tend to be just a smaller team in general and, and go on there, uh, you know, um, you know, rely on their speed. Sure. And then, and then the other thing is, you know, the Bruins have had a really good power play, which involves moving the puck. And on bad ice, pucks take bad, bad bounds. It's not as crisp pass, ta- crisp passing tape to tape. Um, like I said, I'm not making excuses the Bruins. It's just an embarrassment that they don't. They have, the ice is in that condition. For sure. So we go to St. Louis. You said to me before the series started, Bruins in seven. Certainly at one to one, shaping up like a pretty even matchup. Let's see how the injuries play out. But you still think it's seven. You still thinking Bruins. I think it's seven. I think it's Bruins and seven, yeah. Gotcha. I think if Rask plays like he played tonight and the rest of the team can play like they played on night one, then they become unbeatable again. I want to tip my hat to the Bruins. They didn't lose a game until tonight since they were down, I think, what, two to one against Columbus back in late April? It basically was almost a calendar 30 days that the Bruins didn't lose uh, a single game. That's great. It's now one-to-one. In some ways, I'm glad they won the first one because I didn't want what happened to some of the other teams who had sweeps earlier in the playoffs to happen to the Bruins, which is they feel great. They have a long layoff. They can't get a win. All of a sudden, it snowballs at home. Yeah, I, I really felt like I was worried about the Bruins' long layoff, and then they, with the, the way the NHL set the schedule, I think the Blues had six days off. So I helped you know, a once you're more than three days off, I think it's just kind of a wash. Totally agree. So I don't know, dude. So we're saying Bruins in seven. I think that's all we got. I do hope you'll join me um, after game three if you're available. Love to have you and hopefully for a W because I'm doing pods either way. Uh, I, I will. Um, I, I'm waiting on your your Arsenal hot take that you had for me. Oh, yeah. Let me uh, – let me paraphrase because I, I, I'm talking to you on the device in which I wrote it. But uh, as long as Stan Kroenke, the owner of Arsenal, who, by the way, owns the Denver Nuggets. I think he owns the Colorado Avalanche and he owns the L.A. Rams, formerly the St. Louis Rams. Look him up. He's a bum of an owner. As long as he owns Arsenal, as Andy said earlier, Arsenal is not an elite team in England and certainly not in Europe. Um and as long as he owns them, they are no longer my squad. I'm saying it here. 
Uh, I'm a Crystal Palace fan until Stan Kroenke sells, and that's just the way it's got to be. It's because Stone Cold said so. Um, I will say I've been a Crystal Palace fan since I lived in Worcester. Um, <laughs> so have I. <laughs> but, um, but here's my question. I, yeah. I, I get the owner hate, and I sometimes think it's a false narrative. And sure. I don't know this. What is Arsenal spending for money compared to the other teams? Compared to the teams that are ahead of them in the standings, like nowhere close. Okay. So I, I and then I, I will take some heat for that. And then I just think Arsenal right now um, is in, you know, when they're coming out of the Arson, Arson Wenger yes, era. That's correct. And I just think there has to be a whole one, even though Arson wasn't good at the end. You're coming, you're following a legend, so your coaching is always, you know, following, you never want to be the guy to follow the legend. Two, I think you need a total, total rebuild, you know, just like any sport, you know, new coach, new system. And I know soccer, you can get rid of players easier, but you still have money tied up. Um, you need to change the, the total culture there, which is just tough to do right away. And I, th- I think the, uh, towards the end of the Arsene Wenger era, they were just reaching at things to try to get things to work instead of building on it. And, and no yep. matter how much you spend and no matter what you spend on the top players, you still need a base of a team that, that is homegrown or, or close to homegrown that you're not spending all your money on. So I will say that is a little bit, but I just, I don't think Arsenal is the only team in, in England or Europe. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, I think that, that, that Unai Emery, the new manager actually did a pretty good job this year um, to, due to everything you just said. And I think he has a history at Sevilla, especially of not being able to spend as much as say Barcelona and Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid and La Liga and still winning multiple Europa Cups and, you know, all that good stuff. So I think he's the right man to do it on, you know, when I say a budget, I'm obviously saying if you want to be an elite European club, this guy has to do more with less. If you want to be a middle of the table English club, then absolutely they have enough money to do that. But that's not what Arsenal has been about for 120 years. So to me, they picked the right guy, but if he starts showing some success, like if he'd won today and they made Champions League, if they hadn't spent, that would have been abysmal. And so, if anything, this guy gets another pass to try to win the Europa League or t- finish top four, do more with less. I think he's a good coach. But you know what? I don't need my Premier League team to be a top of the table team, especially if they can't ever get there. At least well, until they prove I, it again. I, yeah, I think one of the things that you and I have kind of done jokingly over the years. Um, somewhat seriously, somewhat jokingly, is we pick teams in each division and see who can go up and down. And our boys, Sheffield United, went up. Yep, and I think it's one of those things. We know where Arsenal is going to finish right now. They're never going to finish in the top three or four. They're never going to compete for a European championship. So it's almost more fun to root for a team like a Crystal Palace who could go from anywhere of the bottom qualifying of Europa to getting relegated. Right. There's just so much more to root for and so much more on the line. And Arsenal, you just know, you know, they're going to be in, in fifth to eighth place every year because they spend, they spend enough to be better than those teams. And that's what it's, that's what it's about over there. You know, the disparity of what they spend versus the top, you know, the Manchester United's, um, you know, 
Manchester United, Manchester City's, Chelsea's of the world. You know, the disparity of what, what Arsenal spends compared to them is just as large as what Arsenal spends compared to the, you know, the teams below them in the table. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, like they're, they're, Arsenal's in a group of, of, of midland of like maybe two or three teams that spend more than anybody else, but not as much as the top. Correct. And if you look at the one year in, in the last, say, six when they finished second in the league, and it was the, the fluke year when Leicester City won the league. Every other team either had chemistry issues, uh, coaching issues, injury issues, or it was like the year when they didn't spend big. Do you know what I mean? And Arsenal kind of like snuck in second place. But, but before that, it was always a battle for fourth, a battle for fourth, a battle for fourth. And now you've got Liverpool's got it going. They spend more money. The Manchester's obviously do the same in terms of money. City has it going. United will get it going because they spend too much money. And then you get Chelsea, who, even when they don't have it going, beat you 4-1 to in a championship game tonight. And then you've got Tottenham, who does spend around the same amount of money as you, and that's their max. But right now they're getting way more out of it because of, one, to your point, homegrown talent, and two, uh, they've been able to really sell high on some of their guys, like, like uh, Gareth Bale, and then reload on some mid-tier dudes. So anyway... Tottenham will fall off again, but that still means Arsenal's fighting for fifth. <laughs> yeah, but here, here's the thing, and as an Arsenal fan, I hate stupid moral victories and, oh, we do this, we do that. I hate that at all my teams. Correct. All my sports. Correct. So the fact, I love that now, uh, you know, because Arsenal, oh, we're always better than Tottenham. Who the frick cares? But you know what? Now you're not even that. So you idiot Arsenal fans who bring that up all the time, you got to shut up because your team stinks. So stop telling me <laughs> all about how you beat Tottenham all the time. Oh, great. So you got fourth place instead of fifth place. That's, that's right. Even in the Olympics, yeah. you're not on the podium in fourth place. I know it's a lot yeah. of money to make Champions League, but you know what? If and you don't you, ever go anywhere in Champions League, no one cares. And you know, you know the people I'm talking about. You know, you see it all over the. Oh, yeah. Totally. But here's, what, here's where I'm at. I'm a ride or die with Crystal Palace, which when they first got promoted like six years ago, and they, they always were a team that would go up for one year and come back down. I said, if they get promoted, I'm switching to them. Or if I said, they avoid relegation. They avoid relegation. So anyway, they avoided relegation for five or six years in a row, which means this is probably the kiss of death. But all in on the Palace. And frankly... I, I actually remember, and this is going back, I'm going to have to guess 13 to 15 years. Because we were living in Worcester, and we looked into rooting for Crystal Palace and buying Crystal Palace shirts, but their actual jerseys like didn't say Crystal Palace, Palace big enough to actually read it. You know, it was a sponsor on the front, you know, and it just had the small Crystal Palace crest. Correct. Still, we need to do it. And so I'm in. I'm assuming a Super Eagle. Here we go. And what I'll do is I'm going to ride or die with these guys, and also, if... They get relegated, and that's fine. I'll still follow them as they you know, make their way through all that crap. But I'll just pick a team that gets promoted every year and root for them to stay as long as they can. And I'll just be like the bottom feeder guy. I don't care anymore. I, 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 I might have to ride with you with Crystal Palace just because we have history with them. We've got Crystal Palace history. Plus your wife, Linda, and pundit Dan O'Brien, super fans of Crystal Palace. I, I was going to be all about Bournemouth. Until you brought up that you were joining Crystal Palace, but I tend I tend to ride my soccer teams with you. Yeah, we got to be on the same page in that. And I like Bournemouth. They got a ten thousand seat stadium. They got an oligarch owner. You and I have been on the record for years as saying if you don't have a sheik or an oligarch, you're in trouble because you get Stan Kroenke and he's got nothing on the right. sheiks and the oligarchs. 
you have you have just you have just answered the question. If we want Arsenal to compete, we don't need a sheik or an oligarch. We need a guy that's both. We need a sheikagark. Yes. <laughs> an all a sheik or a sheikagark. I think I like sheikagark better. I like sheikagark. Okay, we either need to become a sheikagark, which is going to be very hard for us, or become friends with one, which will be very easy for but us. If you became a sheik. Or an oligarch, and I became the other. We could put our our forces together. Oh, we'd be like a dynamic duo, the Sheikagarks. Yes, I think we just started. We just stumbled upon the fake band name of the week and <laughs> our fake ownership strategy for a Premier League team, Sheikagarks. All right, great conversation, like Andy. I'm gonna let you go. It's getting late over here. Uh, well, we're in the same time zone. It's getting late on the East Coast, everybody. But listen, we're coming back for Game Three. Bruins got a must-win situation in either three or four to keep this thing interesting and bring it back home to Boston for Game 5. The good news for Pundit Cindy Harrington, I'm going to call right after this, is that she now gets to go to Game 5 because Game 5 is happening. So, good for her. Good good for Cindy. I'm sure she'd rather not, her, not have to go. let her wave the flag. <laughs> How about that? The 2011 Bruins in Game 1, Bill Belichick in Game 2, Pundit Cindy Harrington in Game 5. We will, we will leave it there. Stick around for a second and catch up, Andy. Coming up next, Cindy Harrington for you podcast listeners. Ladies and gentlemen, now, as promised, joined by pundit Cindy Harrington, who Andy Maslin and I just discussed is the likely candidate to be the Bruins flag waver in Game 5 of the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals. Cindy, what do you? two questions, one serious, one facetious. What do you think of your, of your abilities to wave the flag uh, for Game 5 if I do call and ask you? I mean, I would accept 100% and think I would crush it. Totally. Yeah. So second part of that question, which is a real question, uh, yes. are you going to go to game five now? I think I might. Nice. I think I kind of have to. Well, you let me know on the prices and maybe the uh, filibuster freestyle scholarship fund can help you out. Oh, uh, isn't that nice of that? Send you All on right, an assignment. We'll Crack Research Team will send you live on location from the Boston Garden, a.k.a. TD Garden. Now. Yes. Final question. Who do you think is the leader in the clubhouse for real to wave the flag? We've had the 2011 Bruins. We had Billy B, Bill Belichick. I mean, is it like Ray Bork? Is it like Gronk again? Is it Tommy B? Who is it? I was going to say Tommy B. I've been stalking his Instagram, and I think he's out of state, but... Game five is next Thursday, June 6th. Yes. So there's time, but I would say he's pretty high on the list. You think Tom Brady? Yep. I think that's what you got to do. Pick. I think it's what you got to do, and I like it, and I can't think of anybody better. So let's talk about this game. Uh, Andy, Andy, not as verbose as usual, not as jovial as usual, and then we devolved for a while into hating on Arsenal, too. Um, oh. But what? Because why not? Tough day. What a turn! Yeah. Tough, tough day. Arsenal got worked, and the Red yeah. Sox Red Sox bullpen is horrific, and the Bruins lost the game in the Stanley Cup Finals to a team that had never won a Stanley Cup Final game. So the Bru sorry, the Blues get the monkey off the back. They get their first ever Stanley Cup Finals victory. It took them yep. forty nine years since their last appearance to get here. Do you think, besides obviously tying the series up, which helps them, that really helps them and their fans get excited for the next two games? For sure. They have the momentum now, obviously, and they're going back home where they're comfortable, and um, they played really, really well tonight. The Bruins did not deserve to win that game, which I hate to say, but a lot of mistakes, a lot of missed opportunities, 
Tuca was great, but, um, you know, we had so many defensive breakdowns that just left him so wide open, so hard to defend. So it was a huge bummer. Yeah. I'm but a- Go ahead. Sorry. I'm hoping we can kind of do the same and split one one at their home and see what happens for game five. Well, it's certainly the goal is to come back with the series either tied or if you get if you get lucky, you know, get get it going. I mean, here's the thing. I talked about this with Andy, but the Blues have been the best road team in the playoffs. Right. And they've actually been amongst the most shaky at home. Yeah, um, true. Now, they did, rectify, they did rectify that a little bit against the Sharks in the last series, but... Um, you know, and the Bruins have been a pretty good road team as well. They had their backs against the wall in Columbus. They had their backs against the wall for sure against the Maple Leafs. Um, you know, they were able to bounce back both those yep. series. Obviously, Bruins had great success at home and away against the Hurricanes. So, you know, the, the Bruins lost their first game in about a month. Hats off to them on the run they went on. Um, yep. They've proven they can win tough series. This is clearly going to be a tough series. My biggest worry is the injuries are starting to mount up. Yeah, good Good point. Um, I know it's it's too bad. I was thinking tonight you kind of need like someone to get in there and shake it up like a Chris Wagner would. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of guys are playing hurt. I think Marshawn's hurt. Um, he screwed up his wrist, I think, in the uh, yes. scrimmage game. Uh, Char is probably not playing. I mean, he played horrifically tonight, in my opinion. Um and I love Chara, but he was not not my favorite player on the ice tonight. He's definitely hurt. The first line is like, gotta get together, man. I mean, we can't depend on the third and fourth line for this whole series. Like, we need we need a big spark. Um, and the hit against Greslick, or however you pronounce his last name, um, that was a tough one. Yeah, uh, it kind of looks like he he's definitely in concussion protocol. I mean... Yeah. He didn't even hit. I mean, guys got hit harder against the boards tonight than he did, but he looked like he got hit square on the noggin. Um, yeah, and it was more his positioning. He was kind of like twisted too at the shoulders. Like it was like he was trying to go back and kind of yes. catch the puck. Um, yeah, so he probably I, got a little I'm, bit of whiplash there. And Yeah, I hope it's not like a complete concussion. I hope he. I don't know. You know just the way he went down, like a, he kind of, it was a kind of delayed reaction and he went down like a sack of potatoes. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't know where we're going to see him unless this thing goes seven. I don't know where we're going to see him, which is really tough stuff because, as Andy yep. mentioned, Clifton was getting destroyed tonight and Clifton was clearly, he really was. clearly well, the sixth yeah. defenseman and now he's the fifth defenseman by default. And to be playing man down and have your worst defenseman having to play way more minutes than usual and your 42 year old. Formerly best defenseman, you know, moving up a spot. I mean, a lot right. of problems for yep. the Bruins moving forward if Grizzly can't come back. Agreed. Agreed. So, so that's kind of a keep, bummer. Keep her fingers crossed. So what are you thinking? You thinking Bruins in seven and Bruins in six? You thinking, what are you thinking? Uh, I really hope it's Bruins in six, though I just hate to even think that because of 2013 that six game was really tough for us at home uh but yeah i'm i'm hoping hoping that's the case i think they looked really flat tonight i don't know really what's going on you know with their game plan but the good news is usually when they have a game doing that they come out looking really good and you know hopefully you know another day or two of rest will will kind of help them out despite the travel so 
I, I still think they're the better team, um, and I hope this momentum doesn't shift the Blues positioning too much uh, and kind of sway the series a bit. Yeah, and I'd say it's a good assessment. And I would just say this. I mean, as long as the health's not so bad that they just can't have that spark, you know, there will be a lot of pressure on the Blues to perform in their first home Stanley Cup game in half a century. Yeah. And if the Bees can get a combination of the on-ice effort they had in game one with Tuca playing the way Tuca played in periods two and three tonight, you know, just find a way, especially to get that third game versus that fourth game, take the air out of the building a little bit. Because then you're you're playing with house money. And the other good thing is even if you don't win game three – if they're feeling too good and you keep grinding and you get game four, to your point, come back home with a tide, and I think you pretty much have it back to where you had it before tonight, which is you're up, you're up a game and you get home, home ice advantage. Um, I don't know, man. Hockey can always go anyway. And yeah, we, hockey's we, so tough that way, right? We will see. I think if the Bruins can get a game in St. Louis, this thing still goes seven, but they come out on top. I think if they lose two in St. Louis – then, then you're on. Oof. Then you're in Mercy Street. I mean, then you're in a lot of trouble. So, yep. we shall see. But um, oh. I just don't see the Blues going in anything less than seven. Frankly, on my end. All right, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. They got alligator blood, so I think the Bruins are going to need to go seven with them to get it out of this alive. Um, and I just hope that they stay healthy enough. So we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk again, uh, maybe after Game Three and Four, but also certainly Game Five now because we know we're going to have one, and we think. You'll be live from the T-Dizzle-Gizzle, also known as the T-D-Garden. Potentially. I have to get my butt on StubHub. Or if any if any listener has a better way of getting tickets, let me know. Oh, okay. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, everybody, philbusterfreestyle.com is where you can find this pod and all the others. Cindy, thanks for being on. Stick around. We'll catch up. <laughs> thanks, Scout. I'm sure there's plenty for us to talk about since last we talked. So, um... <laughs> We'll leave it there, everybody else. We'll see you for game three. Bye.